Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. This is today's Bible class. Today's Bible class is for our podcast listeners, and it's designed to get us into God's Word for, oh, 12 or 13 minutes each day. And in that way, keep us focused on our spiritual lives and on our relationship with God. Boy, Faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. We keep emphasizing that. So it is so vital for us to be in God's word on a regular, consistent basis so our faith can grow and stay strong. But also, being in God's word regularly helps us to have a better focus on how to handle and deal with whatever the day throws at us. And these days are throwing a whole lot at us. Now, I can guarantee you, almost without question, you know people in your life who need to refocus spiritually. They need to get into God's Word. They need to start thinking more carefully about their relationship with God and about their spiritual lives. Share these short studies with them. Help them refocus. Help them start to get on the right road that ultimately will lead them to heaven. Think what a great impact for eternal good you could have on them. You can share through Facebook friends, text messages, maybe some other technological means. But share with your family members, your friends, your work associates, your neighbors, literally anybody and everybody. Do that. Help somebody turn their life around. We're going to talk about what I believe is really a common reality in the lives of so many people today, but not just today, always. But certainly, I think we can understand that there are some very special oh, pressures that are coming upon people on a pretty widespread basis right now. And we can look at different reasons for that. But again, it's a pretty common situation in any day, in any year, in any generation. But we're really feeling some extra focused strains and pressures that we're experiencing right now. You know, I often think about older people who end up in nursing homes or care facilities on a long-term basis, how being there can affect them. I remember visiting with a family member a number of years ago and and this particular lady was there for a physical reason that she eventually was able to go home after recovering from. But she talked about one older lady across the way who would get dressed, I believe, just about every day and wait for one of her family members to come pick her up, who never would show up, virtually never. But she was looking for that one. Well, I'm hearing that during this particular period of time that we're going through, as those individuals in those care facilities, those long-term care facilities, are being more isolated because no visitors are being allowed to come see them, that the effects of that isolation are being realized in enhanced dementia, also loss of appetite, and so their general condition is degrading more rapidly. And that's sad. That's really sad. I speak with a lady fairly regularly whose husband died just not very long ago, just a few months ago, and she's in, a, in a, uh, an assisted living facility, has her own apartment. She's vital, alert, 
and basically healthy. But she is around 90 years old, and because of the current situation, she's not allowed to leave the building. She's not allowed to have visitors come in. And the residents, all in their own individual apartments within that facility, are not allowed even to visit with each other. So they're basically isolated by themselves. She is all by herself. Well, that ultimately can have a quite debilitating effect on an individual if they're not alert and careful and try to keep themselves mentally active and engaged. Well, depression is one thing that really sets in. Depression. And not just in long-term care facilities and not just for elderly individuals, but this situation that we've been going through has affected younger people too. Married couples, the divorce rate, my understanding, has gone up. Uh, Spousal abuse, alcoholism, that kind of thing, all of those kinds of things have been on the increase. Well, we have to be careful that we don't allow ourselves to sink into the depths and the pits of depression and let that take us over and ultimately affect us physically and mentally. Paul and Timothy were close co-workers. To say they were just friends really does not do their relationship justice. In 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 2, as Paul addresses this letter, first he says, to Timothy, a true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, it's a similar address that he used when he wrote the letter to Titus. And in Titus chapter 1 and verse 4, he said, to Titus, a true son in our own common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ our Savior. Well, Timothy and Titus were very close co-workers and, as Paul puts it there, they were his sons in the faith as he describes them and identifies them in these two letters. Well, he's not talking about physical sons. He's talking about from a spiritual perspective. They were his sons. He mentored them greatly. He guided them, taught them, worked with them, and was a very close personal friend of each one of them. I think we're to conclude all of that. And so Paul can... Paul perhaps converted Timothy and counted him the son that he never had on a physical plane. And he watched him follow in his footsteps to become a preacher and missionary. He said to his young pupil, I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 20. There was no one he counted on more, it would seem, than Timothy. Although Titus would have been a pretty close second, probably. But I've often described I've often described Timothy and Titus as kind of Paul's right and left hand men when it came to the work that they were all engaged in together of spreading the gospel, leading people to Christ, and helping establish and then strengthen 
congregations of the Lord's church. Paul noticed possibly, as you look at 2 Timothy, and I'd not really necessarily picked up on this, at least to a large degree, until just recently in preparing for this particular study, but it could be that in writing this second letter to Timothy, that Paul maybe detected a bit of a slipping on Timothy's part in his walk with God. Now, I don't think we're to understand that Timothy's faith was waning in that he was becoming less committed in his belief in God and in Jesus as God's Son and our Lord and Savior, but perhaps, and maybe it was a reflection of what Paul was going through. He was in prison again, and probably for an extended period of time, and and probably facing imminent execution as he writes this second letter to Timothy. So maybe some of that concern, maybe that separation from his mentor and spiritual father, so to speak, had, had an effect on Timothy. Those kinds of things can affect us. We're used to being around someone and we're looking up to someone who is kind of a strong, maybe father figure from a spiritual perspective or maybe even from a physical perspective, not literally physical father, biological, but, but there's somebody there we really look up to and we really learn from and they, we kind of see them as a, something of a father figure and, and, and being separated from them can have a negative effect on us ultimately and maybe even without, maybe even without realizing it initially. So maybe Paul was noticing a little bit that Timothy might have been kind of slipping here, might have been, might have been getting a little bit lethargic or complacent in his spiritual work that he had been engaged in for such a long period of time, right alongside Paul, who no longer could be right alongside him because of his incarceration. So he might have felt that Timothy needed a kind of a shot in the arm spiritually, maybe a pep talk from his spiritual coach who could no longer be right there with him on a regular basis. Maybe he needed a spiritual vitamin supplement from the divine, uh, from the divine pharmacist, and that would be, of course, Jesus himself. Or maybe he just needed a spiritual father-son talk. And so Paul gives him some instructions. Maybe, maybe we can even take it as some advice. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 6, I remind you to stir up the gift of God. Interesting. Now, why would Timothy need to be reminded to stir up the gift of God? Let's look at that in the New King James Version translation here. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying out of my hands. The gift of God. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Well, Timothy had miraculous gifts, apparently, and through the laying on of the Apostle Paul's hands. And Paul's reminding him, you use that. You use those gifts or that gift, whether it was one singular or plural. You use that in serving God, in doing the work of, of ministry that you're supposed to be engaged in, in bringing God glory. Don't become complacent. Don't become lethargic. 
Don't get lazy and kind of set aside your abilities, so to speak. I want to come back and talk more about that line of thinking and reasoning next time. But right now, let's pray together. Father, thank you for blessing us with abilities. And you bless every one of us with abilities through which we can serve you effectively. Help us, Father, to open our eyes to those abilities and to open our hearts to use them in your service and to your glory. We pray this, Father, please, please. And please, Father, we also pray for your mercy and grace as we ask you, please, Father, forgive us of our sins. And hear our prayer in Christ's name. Amen.